0: Nate, thank you for this offering. I want to always have beginner's mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me both. As was saying, um, this is often an offering that head students make, but uh, everyone, each one makes it differently. And Kim has seen the gamut. we just think, is there anyone you haven't seen? <laughs> yeah, uh, me. Yeah.
2: Well, I don't. I didn't, if Joel did one, I didn't go to that.
1: Okay. But- well, one. <laughs> so um, I'm sure this will be different.
2: We get we well, also get we get so little from um, at least I do from just listening to someone. Yeah. You know. What's so the Kim, th-
3: are you are you learning how to be to be a beginner? Is that
2: are happen am,
3: for you now? <laughs>
2: I am so far from uh, achieving that. <laughs> I think, isn't it, Nate, around 10% that you get by listening to someone?
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's about what the research says. And then if you there's a a whole movement of uh, hearing, visualizing, and writing, which integrates it more than doing it in an embodied way, which gets you closer to half. Um, So we'll do all of them because I'm an old teacher.
4: And thank I'm curious,
0: sure um, was everyone this. was everyone able to download what what Nate suggested we download? Up? The oh, didn't I work. didn't know. I, I didn't see that.
3: I did.
1: Oh, I'll send you a, a link in just a minute so that everybody yeah, thank can you. do it now. We I figured that might be a little funky.
3: I'm sorry. Uh, so it was um, let me see if I can, was it did I get an email?
1: Yep, but I'll send a link to you in just a second. I'll just we'll give, let's give everybody a minute or two more, and then we'll, uh, or just a minute more, and I'll share out the link. Uh, I've got to find it myself.
5: Nate, was, was the registration through the circle um, format as well?
1: No. So I made that a public link so that anyone could do it. In fact, before we leave today, I'll give you a link to actually sign up and register for things. Because so somewhere
5: yeah. I saw a register and I clicked it, but I couldn't tell whether I actually did it or not.
1: Yeah. Sorry if that was a little funky. Oh. We're, we're experimenting with this thing. We'll see if we can get it to work. So. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and get started, it's a minute past so that if people trickle in, that's fine. Um, hi. Hi. <laughs> it's so good to see all of you uh, in your various backgrounds. Um, and such a delight to be able to know that we're going to be able to engage with each other uh, more than just in silence, which I love as well, but it's nice to be able to talk with you. Um, But as we get started today, I thought we would sit for just two or three minutes and uh, get settled in. Um, And so I've got a little bell here, which I'll ring in just a second. Um, And no, I'll give you everyone a couple of minutes to get situated and set up with the materials and things that we'll need. Uh, But as we start to sit, just a a little bit of orientation, and most of you may know this, Um, when we sit for Zazen, you'll hear the the timekeeper ring the bell three times. That's the the indication that we're moving into thousands. So I'll, I'll ring the bell three times. And as you're sitting in your seat, if you're looking for a posture that works for you, just find a place where you can sit as upright as you can with a slight curve in the arch of your back. And you might put your hands in a mudra if that's a comfortable position or on your knees if you want a resting place. And then just avert your gaze slightly downward and keep your eyes about two thirds open. It's kind of a way of thinking about it. And we'll just sit for three minutes so we can settle in and center ourselves as we engage with one another a bit today.
3: Nate, yeah. I found the email and the link isn't opening anything for me.
4: Okay, well, let me- It's
3: like help. a blank. This is what I'm getting, just blank. There's nothing there.
1: Make oh shoot. Okay. Well, I'll send it along in just a second. So let's sit and then we'll, I can pass it as an attachment in a minute. All righty. Um, I'm so glad to be with you uh, on this Saturday afternoon, which is not normally a time we, we do things at <laughs> <laughs> as much. So, thanks for spending your afternoon together. Um, as we get started, I'll share the link to the resources, which you might want to print out if you have the ability to do that or just put them on a screen, but you definitely will want a piece of paper and a writing implement at some point as all. As as some of you know, I'm an old teacher. I've taught for 20 years and been a principal and all that. So I have some some teacherly tendencies uh, that may emerge inside of our our work today. Um, But as I'm setting up for that and sending everyone the resources they need, I'd love to just have everyone check in. So, we just tell us again your name. I think most folks know each other, but just share your name, where you are right now, uh, and one word to describe your current state of being. <laughs> uh, and, Anne, since I just spoke with you last night, I'm curious. You're up first.
6: Okay. My name is Anne Lipskim. I'm in Austin, Texas. And my current state of being. Is- um anticipatory.
1: Mm. Can you choose somebody else, Anne?
6: Yeah, I'll choose someone I don't really know. Um, Melen? Is that right?
5: Yes, hi. Uh, My name is Milan. I'm in Mexico City. Well, actually, I'm in Monterrey, the north of Mexico right now. And um, I can't find the word in English, but it's like I'm waiting for something. That's how I feel.
4: Mm
5: -hmm. And uh,
7: Kim,
8: hello.
2: I'm Kim from Austin and I'm feeling so good because I just took a long walk and um, it's one of my favorite things to do and I hardly ever do it. And now Mm. I'm feeling a breeze on the back. I turned on the fan and on my ceiling I'm feeling a breeze on the back of my neck which feels really, really good too. And Ellen.
7: Hi, um, I'm Ellen and I'm feeling uh, interested and a little bit excited.
9: Jay. Thank you. Um, I'm Jay from Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) What am I feeling? I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm excited
0: to be here, but... um... I don't know. So Nelda. Hi, my name is Nelda Adamson, and I live in Austin. Um, and I'm feeling very relaxed. This is my third Zen event today. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just very relaxed. And I, I, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. I, I know I'll learn more.
3: Uh let's see Geneve. Hi, I'm Geneve and I'm in um, Maine. Uh, and uh, I today um, have been in a state of overwhelming fear. Um, but at the moment, I'm very uh, grateful to be here. And it's lovely to see you,
8: Claudine. Okay, I am Claudine, and I am in Switzerland, and it's also my third Apamada event today. So I'm a bit tired and very interested and looking forward. Rosemary?
5: Hi, thank you Claudine. Um, Hi everybody, I'm Rosemary, and I'm in Fort Lee, New Jersey, And I am in a state of anticipation, like Anne and others. Oh, and uh, did we leave anybody out? I don't think so. Okay. Oh, Nate. Nate,
1: what's your state? What
5: is your state?
1: Uh, I'm Nate. I'm in Austin. Uh, I'm delighted to be with you all and to be with some of my uh, Jersey brethren, by the way. I'm a former Jersey guy, so that's exciting to me. I'm just enjoying your presence already and looking forward to what emerges. Um, And one of the things I will say about sort of my approach to teaching in general, as I find yet another way to share this talk with you all, uh, is I tend to think of myself as kind of a guide through this. So that I've got a bunch of things that we could do, uh, a bunch of possibilities, but I would just want to be curious about What shows up and responsive to what shows up so we'll do that together in a second and we haven't heard from Ellen oh Ellen, yeah
6: we did oh we we did did. i'm sorry sorry i'm confused.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Oh i'd let you know if you forgot me.
1: Uh, All right, so there's a couple different ways to access these documents which may be may or may not be in front of you uh, just yet. So apologies if you weren't able to get to it. The last one should be completely open for everybody. So hopefully that Mm -hmm. one works.
7: Yeah, I'm getting it.
1: Okay, nifty. So if you've got something, it looks like this, it says an introduction to Zen. And we're gonna tinker around with this just a little bit as we get started. Um, So as I was thinking about how to how to do this. The first thing you'll notice is the pronoun. It is an introduction to Zen, not the introduction to Zen. Uh, This is just one way of seeing it. And I don't think there is any particular way of doing it uh, right, so to speak. Uh, But I wanted to offer this through the lens of the Three Jewels. And the reason I started thinking about the Three Jewels of Buddha, uh, Dharma, and Sangha, because when I was new to practice, I had no idea what they were, (laughs) not really. I knew what, who the Buddha was a sort of historical passing way, but I didn't really understand this concept of Dharma and Sangha. And so I thought it would be an interesting place for us to dwell and see what the teachings have to offer. Um, so we'll focus a little bit more on Buddha and what that first jewel is like today, then go in our second pass, we'll spend a little time on Dharma, uh, and then last to Sangha. Um, But in each time that we meet, I'll try to mix up a lot of study, a lot of conversation and relationship, uh, and some practice as well, so we're diving in as much as we can. Um, And as we're diving in today, I have a couple of norms for us up in the little gray box on that piece of paper if you're looking at it. Um, I would just love to hear your response to what you think any one of those might look and sound like. I tried to think of ones that would suit us and our intentions Uh, and our purpose as Zen students, but be present, stay open and curious, seek to connect, experiment in the everyday, and enjoy this. So does any one of those speak to you, and what do you think that might look and sound like for us as we begin our, our engage with each other today? Yeah, just jump in.
5: Uh, okay, so um, be present, it's pretty basic, but um, for me, um, you know, sometimes not so easy to be fully present, you know? And um, so, yeah, to be fully present with all of you and with the material and really listening, listening to everyone. Um, and then it gets into some of the others, like staying open and all of that. But yeah, being, being fully present here at this time with, with you all.
1: Great. Does another resonate for you? A different one.
3: I'm, I'm curious about experimenting in the everyday and I don't know what that would look like for me, but um, I, I want to try and integrate this with where I am today. Um, and not just have this remain in a little capsule. So that's where my curiosity is right now.
1: Well, you said that beautifully. I love that. Any other ones that pop for other folks?
7: Enjoy this. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes.
1: Good. <laughs> Let's laugh together. Let's enjoy each other's company and see what arises. Last call for reflections on the norms.
6: I would say seek to connect. I've Mm -hmm. really just presently, I've come to, that's the big deal. Connection, connection, connection.
1: Um, And I think there's a a, uh, sort of a proactiveness, if you will, to that seeking to connect, like making that an intentional, uh part of your aspiration and there's a way of being present but there's a difference between being present and connected. so at least in my experience and i wanted to uh, add some color to that so cool well let's dive in i've got one quote at the bottom which is a uh, one that we uh, many of you have probably heard but it seems important to ground us in that uh kim would you mind just reading that one from dogan
2: what you want me to read on the the path
1: the study of the self the the study the buddha way
2: the quote Uh at the
1: bottom quote at the bottom of the first page to
2: study the buddha way is to study the self to study the self is to forget the self to forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things when actualized by myriad things your body and mind as well as the bodies and minds of others drop away no trace of realization remains, and this no trace continues endlessly. Hey, hey, Dogen.
1: Just some ways to ground us as we dive into the work um, and and the practice with each other a little bit today. So, hop to the next page on the back. I've got a warm up activity, as any good teacher would. Uh, I, this is a, I'm going to teach you something, or maybe you've experienced something similar with PEG, I call this perpetual pens. So you will need a pen or pencil handy. Perpetual pens means I'll give you a time limit. Uh, this, in this case, just a mere three minutes. So I promise you can survive. Uh, and a very simple question to respond to, or a seemingly simple question. Uh, and your task is in the three minutes to write nonstop for those three full minutes. If you get stuck, you're welcome just to repeat the last word that you wrote. It'll feel a little weird, but that's okay. So just write as much as you need to. There's a little little note section on the very last page if you are a very uh, 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 expansive writer and would like a little bit more time. But we're only going to write for three minutes. And I give you the very seemingly simple question, what brings you here? And you may answer to that in any way that you like. And you may think about what any of those words in particular mean in any way that you like. And you have three minutes starting now. and there's your time finish up your last sentence or thought and take a minute to go back and just underline star circle anything that you put on paper that resonates with you or sounds like truth Okay. I'm curious, what brings you here? And how did you think about any of those words? And how did you respond? Who wants to jump in? We're a small bunch. So I figure rather than a breakout rooms, we'll talk as a whole. Yeah.
6: Well, um, if it's okay, I'll go ahead and read mine yeah. really quickly. Because that'll be easier for me. Yeah. Um, what brings you here? Nate's Dharma, what is its color, its outline, its flavors and memories? How does it connect and resonate with me? How do I question it? How do I learn from it? Will it change me? I hope so. I long to be different than I am. Though I know in Buddhist teaching that is a prohibition. Okay, no prohibitions, (laughs) but unskillful as people at Appomatto often describe a prohibition. I crave learning the key the lodestone, the answer, the truth. Maybe that comes closer through committee, i.e., with lots of different inputs, something becomes clear.
1: Ellen.
7: Okay, two statements struck me as Ooh, am I muted? No. As, um, as particularly true. And the first one was at the top and the second one and the last one that seemed true was at the bottom of what I wrote. And uh, the first one that I wrote that seemed true was the enthusiasm of my Dharma buddies brings me here because I'm also one of these people who's been uh, from uh, this morning, even before Even before Women in Zen, I was doing something about concerning Appa Mata. And uh, and so I thought I might not be able to do this, too. But everybody in the previous group was so enthusiastic, I just couldn't miss it. Mm -hmm. And then um, the the last one was, um, now that I'm uh, with uh, more traditional sanghas, um, Mm -hmm. I I want to expand my Buddhism vocabulary.
4: (laughs)
1: Wonderful, thank you. And listen, by the way, I'll I'll say let a couple more folks share, and then we'll take a minute to just uh, respond to what anybody said, sort collectively, anything that touched you or moved you. There's a feel free to jot down their thoughts and and respond as well. Jay, what you got?
9: So I said, um, Buddha brings me here because I usually look at the Appamata calendar. And uh let whatever classes offering speak to me and attend. I saw today's class, but had not committed to it, but then it was brought up again during women in Zen, which you know piqued my interest and having your name mentioned, I remembered your inauguration during the January intensive, which made me want to look at it a little bit more further because I remembered your inauguration, so when I went to um the last session we had for the silent illumination, and um it was mentioned again, I said that was my third cock crowing because I'm, I'm a Catholic, right? I um, think <laughs> that was my third cock crowing, and I knew I had to attend so Thanks.
1: I'm the son of a preacher man. I get the reference immediately. I'm with you, Claudine,
8: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, the first thing I wrote was to, I want to be part of the Sangha and to connect. And as we, I spent all the day with uh, Apamada, I wanted also to come tonight. Uh, it's night for me, it's uh, 8 PM <laughs> so, in Switzerland. And the other thing is I, I wrote, I want to learn more things, but then I thought, oh no. I want to learn more things, but I want to let these things penetrate my mind on a non-intellectual way. Uh, Non-intellectual way is non-knowing knowing, knowing, if it makes sense for you. So that was, I, I, and then, and the last thing was to do it in, in, and enjoy it instead of make an effort because I I felt really tired of making effort today. Today, so that's it. Thank
1: you. Kim, take us home. Last call.
2: What brings you here? My parents had sex. (coughs) My mom wanted a boy and vowed to have kids until it happened. That was not the era of sex change or they could have made a boy of my sister. Jump forward 75 years and I'm here because nothing else and nowhere else makes sense. That is what. And then I have a drawing. So uh, there's the drawing. (laughs) I didn't get very far with the drawing. I've been doing 10-minute pieces, but this is my first three-minute
1: piece. <laughs> I'm glad that I could give you those conditions to try that one out. <laughs> I like that, a three-minute piece. Well, uh, I want to open it up to for folks to respond to something that resonated with anyone else, with what anyone said. What brings you here?
3: I wanted to reply to Claudine because to say that she wants to experience this with joy rather than effort. That's really, boy, if I could put into words what I wanna do with my life, <laughs> even with just this move that I have to make within the next like two weeks, um, if I could even just do one thing that I'm afraid of with joy rather than effort, uh, it would be a very uh, meaningful shift for me.
8: Thank you, Claudie.
4: Yeah.
8: may I may I just say something about that and make an allusion to to the Wednesday meditation we do with Ellen and the, the lojan you say the slogan and I had a look to all the slogans and I had and so I thought oh I might choose the one that is talking to me most and it was. The number thirty-three, and it it might please you, Geneve, as well. It is don't make everything so painful, mm-hmm. and so that's why I I have chosen to the idea of enjoying the, this course. Sorry for taking this time. Mm.
5: Okay.
1: Oh, thank you. Kim and then Rosemary. Kim. Oh, what am I supposed to say? I don't know. I thought you were going to respond to somebody else. Your hand
2: hand is still up, Kim.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I will will lower it. Rosemarie.
5: So um, I wanted to respond to Ann because um, it, it, um, first of all, she talked about you, Nate, and and wanting to receive, I guess, from you, what's the neatness about you and how you would provide um, uh, yourself to us, you know, or the Buddha through through yourself to us. And I I just thought it was so lovely. And then um, uh, a lot of Anne's um, uh, piece was about connecting with others and learning through the group. And um, very different from what I wrote, so I appreciated um, Anne's perspective. It, it really sort of rounded out what I was, where I was going with, with why I'm here. So thank you, Anne, and everybody.
1: Thank you. I'll build on that a little. Oh, Nelda, no, jump in, and then I'll I'll, I'll close this out.
5: Okay. So
0: I actually wrote everything that Anne wrote in my head. <laughs> <laughs> But the only thing that actually came out was confusion, curiosity and connection because I love alliteration. And so, <laughs> so those three words and the last and and one sentence, I've heard not knowing is most intimate, we shall see.
1: Mm. And your line uh, about the sort of hearing what Nate's dharma is going to be like has been interesting to me because I'm sewing with you right now. And I've been living in uh, and experiencing Anne's dharma in this really personal and beautiful way. Uh, And so I'm so glad that you're here. And one of the things that I am coming to love and appreciate about this practice is um, how we can all each inhabit it so differently uh, and add such color and beauty to it. Um, so, I think there maybe is a, a misunderstanding sometimes when people are approaching Zen that there's this kind of emptying of color and personality and vibrance and things that is entirely isn't entirely accurate. Uh, and so, I, I just appreciated your comment and appreciated your presence and the opportunity to learn from you. So, um, so thank you. Well, one last starter question at the very bottom, small box, intentionally small. And then I'm going to ask you to fill this out or jot it down wherever you have it uh, so that you can see if it changes over the course of our three classes, which is Zen is dot, dot, dot. What would you put down? Sorry, my phone has lost its mind.
4: (laughs) But
9: it was so in tune, Nate. It was the orchestrated. Zen is ding, ding,
1: ding. (laughs) You've got a little more time than that. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Just take about 30 more seconds to finish out a thought. Okay, love to hear from just two or three folks of how did you complete that. Ellen, what did you put down? I'm curious. Uh,
4: Thank
7: you, Nate. Uh, I didn't. Well, I put down um, Zen is zazen, open, opening, ever opening, unending, connecting to everything and everyone, environment, and then I guess that this means environment clarifying, environment that clarifies living by vow.
1: Mm. Lovely, thank you.
7: So, living by what vow? Oh,
4: thank
1: okay. you, Yeah. Somebody else wanted the jump in. There's never any right or wrong. It's just what's moving in you. Oh
5: God. Oh, my hand was up anyway. Okay, <laughs> I forgot to take it down. Um, sitting. Collecting the mind, offering oneself fully to the present moment, um, opening oneself to the vastness of life. Clarity, compassion, community, and I don't know.
1: <laughs> Lovely honesty. <laughs> Thank you, Well, then, I'm going to hear from you. All right.
5: Uh, send is a practice of learning how to live by yourself.
1: Such beautiful and interesting and varied views, right? Uh, And I think I would answer this question, I probably will answer this question differently by the end of the day, or even in the next 15 minutes. Uh, So it's interesting how living and dynamic a thing this practice is, or not even a thing. We'll get into that later. Um, but, uh, I just wanted to start us there because I'm just curious what to look back at the end of our time together and say, what did we start with thinking about, uh, and then where did we end up? What changed? What shifted? What moved? So I just love the sort of bookends approach to this, but let's take a look at this sort of orientation towards the three jewels on the next page. Uh, and if you can pull those up on page three, either on your screen or, uh, in front of you, that will be lovely. I just thought we'd do this, but as a teacher, we sometimes call this a spirit read. Uh, So a spirit read is somebody jumps in and reads for a paragraph or so and stops, reads as much as they like as the spirit moves them and then stops and then somebody else can just jump in. So you don't need to call on anyone or popcorn necessarily. Uh, But uh, if one person wouldn't mind just volunteering to take the first paragraph, there's only four little parts. It'd be lovely to read aloud and we'll reflect a bit. And this is uh, a little bit of an orientation stolen and adapted from uh, Tricycle's Buddhism for Beginners. If you haven't encountered that series on Tricycle, it's lovely and wonderful. Uh, and you could sit with it for a long time, even if you've been s- sitting for 10 years. Uh, there's some really rich stuff in there. What's so-
7: it- What's it called, Nate?
1: It's Buddhism for Beginners on Tricycle, on the Tricycle website. would like to jump up in first i Thank go one of
4: the
8: one is the oldest way expressing of expressing faith in buddhism is by taking refuge in the three jewels also know, also known as the triple gem or the triple gem mm-hmm. and the three treasures the three jewels are the buddha the dharma the teaching and the sangha the community of practitioners, practitioners. Many rituals and ceremonies in Buddhist communities around the world, as well as a daily practice for individuals begin with recitation of the three refuge vows. At Apamada, we recite the refugees each morning chanting, I take refuge in Buddha, I take refuge in Dharma, I take refuge in Sangha.
6: For many practitioners, taking refuge is one of the first steps in declaring oneself a Buddhist, along with taking the precepts, guidelines for an ethical life. But what does it mean to take refuge in the three jewels?
9: Taking refuge is a way to formalize one's commitment to to and faith in the Buddha's path and take shelter from the vicissitudes of life. But taking refuge does not mean retreating from life. Rather, it enables us to embrace the world in all its complexity as the vehicle for releasing our destructive habits. The Tibetan Buddhist teacher, hmm, Cho Trungpa, hmm, described it.
4: <laughs>
9: Thank you. <laughs> no worries, well done. Describe it as committing ourselves to freedom. In taking refuge in in the Buddha, we are looking to him as a teacher and exemplar, an ordinary person who awakened to his true nature and serves as a guide to to an enlightened life. When we take refuge in the three jewels, we also take refuge in our own Buddha nature and potential for liberation.
1: And I share this piece with you because I've read it now several times over and each time I read it, a different piece sort of speaks to me in a a different line or a set of words um, lands in a soft space with me. And so I'm wondering within these words, what lands with you? What appeals to you or moves in you? yeah
9: an ordinary person who awakened to his true nature and serves as a guide to an enlightened life an ordinary person i love that
1: can you say more about why
9: because it means that each is attainable for each one of us it doesn't put it out of reach you know it's not like this extraordinary being but an ordinary person that's you me you know, everyone here, everyone around the world, it we can all attain it. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Are there other lines that resonated for you? Questions? Rosemarie, yeah.
5: Um, the very last line, when we take refuge in the Three Jewels, we also take refuge in our own Buddha nature and potential for liberation. Um, Freedom, for me, has always been scary. I've been someone who's opted more for safety and security. And um, so I like the idea of the potential for liberation. That gives me um, encouragement.
4: Yeah. Tim now,
1: or Ann now.
2: Uh, I like the um, committing ourselves to freedom, and right before this, my wife had CNN on, and it showed a picture of people leaving um, um, Ukraine, and I had this image of, uh, you know, of Putin wanting this country, but not, but he's, he's getting the country, but not the people, and he's getting this, like, devastated wasteland. That he's creating and uh, and seeing the people, and they said this is so hard on the people. But this person who I saw on the TV had a smile on their face as they were leaving. So the you, you know it, it was very um, it was almost uplifting that that he couldn't take that away from people. So that was a committing of themselves to freedom, which they've had thirty years of. And thank you, Kim.
8: You're muted, Anne.
6: Thank you, Claudine.
4: I wanted to respond
6: to Kim's um, current uh, news really quickly that I just read an article in the New Yorker about a lot of people are immigrating to Russia.
4: Hmm.
6: They're leaving to go to Russia because they're frightened. And a lot of people are leaving to go to the Russian held territories. So there's that side. So there's both of those. But I wanted to say that um, I was struck by he, the Buddha and he, he was an ordinary person. And I I struggled with it. And then I thought, yeah, okay, calm down. It makes him more of an ordinary person. Yeah, there are he's. So <laughs> deal with it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
6: So I, I just had to say.
1: I love it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted by that too. And I was like. Seriously, really, I think it would be a woman. And then I was like, but actually, she's probably working really hard. No, yeah, it really makes sense that it was a guy because he's the one who could get away and do nothing all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is probably not where I'm supposed to be going. Through
1: <laughs> <laughs> but delightful that you did all the same. Um, for me, the piece that stands out like this in this past was, uh, what does it mean to take refuge? And just the question itself in the three jewels and that's a kind of a perpetual inquiry what does it mean what does it look and sound like to take refuge and i'm sitting with that
3: Mm-mm.
4: yeah yeah
1: no. um
3: I, but to me you know in, in a deeper note the thing that leapt out at me was um <clears throat> buddhism enables us to embrace the world in all its complexity as the vehicle for releasing our destructive habits so for me, it's a kind of paradox that isn't one, where I think of taking refuge as curling up in bed with sheets over my head. Right. Um, and this taking refuge is entering the ocean and flowing with everything. And that, to me, feels in my body, like, or in my heart, like a huge kind of liberation in, in which you don't need to hide.
1: I love that. By the way, that that was—it's helpful for me to hear you say that because I have a connotation around refuge as a sort of hiding place as well.
9: Yeah, that was one of the lines that jumped out at me. Refuge doesn't mean retreating from life. I had that like boxed around. I love that line, you know.
1: Let's let's dive into these three uh, jewels a, a little bit more, and we can come back to this. I just want to add, kind of round out our our understanding, and um, just as by way of background, why I'm kind of curious about the origins of language here. I'm in the middle of a PhD dissertation, and I'm using um, Joanna Macy's work uh, as one of if you're if folks are familiar with Joanna Macy's work at all on mutual causality as one of the touchstones in in my work. Um, and and she references the Canon quite a bit uh and as she's talking about conditionality and mutual causality and i think some of the times i've sort of forgotten that these funky words that were new to me so long ago also come from sanskrit and have an interesting origin that we some and just seeing the way that she plays with language and gives color to the language has made me appreciate these terms anew so i'm offering you some of that language as well. So I'll start off with Buddha. And then if, each, uh, if somebody else would jump in and read Dharma and Sangha, that'd be great. Um, so Buddha derives from the Sanskrit root buddh, which literally to wake up, be awake. The name Buddha, meaning an awakened one refers especially to Sakyamuni, the prince of the Shakya tribe and the founder of Buddhism. A Buddha typically noted with a lowercase b is also any fully enlightened being not necessarily a Buddhist practitioner or student. We often use the term Buddha nature to describe the inherent quality of being a Buddha, always present in every sentient being. Somebody else get Dharma.
3: Dharma derives its meaning from the Sanskrit root three, to bear, to support. The Buddhist understanding of Dharma as the teachings of Buddha, the path or way taught by Buddha, or the teachings of the enlightened ones who have followed Buddha. I'll do Sangha. Sangha means, Sangha's
7: meaning comes from the Sanskrit, prefix, song with, and the root Han. Han has various meanings. but In this combination, it means contact. Thus pre-Buddhist texts refer refer Muni Sangha, a gathering of sages. Today, Sangha refers to a community of Buddhist practitioners. A Sangha is any group of people who practice regularly together, who share an aspiration to realize the awakened life and who support each other in this aspiration.
1: So again, in these three jewels, if this is what we're taking refuge in, is there anything either in the origin or the language here that's sticking out for you as nourishing?
7: I think uh, the, uh, for Dharma to bear, to bear or to support stuck out to me.
1: Say more about why.
7: Because the Buddha is, would be, just because I've been doing some reading along these lines, the Buddha is more, is more of, of the absolute, more of the, uh, like sitting in meditation when like, I don't know, you're really right there. I don't know what to call it. Every now and then you can really be right there. I mean, that feels like the Buddha. When you feel like you touch into your own Buddha nature, but it's not something you can, it's a Dharma is in, the, is in my life today. Dharma roots me in my life today and into this world today that I, that I'm living in. So it, it, it supports me, it supports me in a very real way.
1: I didn't know that that was the origin of it. So that one really stood out to me as well. I'd never heard that. And suddenly it just gave color to this word that we use in a particular context that just, because I felt that, I felt that the only thing I do is make this motion of feeling supported and held by something, right? Um, but to know that that's actually what it means was <laughs> startling. Like, yeah. um,
3: well, it's interesting. I'm very much a novice to Buddhism um, and to Zen. Uh, but I live with a Hindu family for six years as part of the family. And um, I read you know, a 700-page summary of the Mahabharat, which is 7,000 pages long. And um, my understanding was that karma was right action, but duty. But this is interesting because I feel that in order for me to uh, intuitively and and immediately in every moment participate or channel right action, I what helps me is to feel supported by just sort of like the. I don't even know how to say it, but, but maybe the Buddha, you know, the something beyond me. Yeah. And in in Hinduism, it,
7: it, it means duty more or less like, like what you said, right action. It means duty and it's all over, like, uh, you know, all over all
3: kinds of texts with
7: that meaning.
3: Well, and it often seems to mean obedience, but my personal experience of it is more with ethics, um, and I think that's where I, that's where I derive its meaning for me is what is the next right action right now right now right now?
1: I think the, the if I can jump in, the one that stood out for me is Sangha, and the, the I never knew the Han meant contact and to the sort of idea of seeking connection and making contact like that that idea of a community that makes contact and connection um, that just was uh, softening for me
7: well, that's so interesting I mean is is isn't a Han the, the board that that you hit yeah and so and so that's that's how we uh, how we come together mm-hmm that's, that is very
6: interesting.
9: Contact, right? Contact, yeah contact. And yeah. so
6: immediate and so yeah. like explosion. Yeah, and so
5: like all at once. No, yeah. It's no.
1: when the contact can be, I think about the different possibilities and the range of quality of contact. Something can be like the striking of a bell, this contact that resonates and carries. And, or it's a touch, right? That's soft and gentle, but it's still contact, right? There's something interesting about that, about that as a possibility inside of Sangha.
6: And all the different ways that people ring the bell. I mean, when you listen to Joel ring the bell, how it's this gentle touch Mm -hmm. and other people, it's very different and it's very individual.
9: I think Kim was raising his hand. Nate.
1: Yeah, Kim, thank you.
2: Well, in a book we read about, uh, some of us read on community, there was a distinction between a community and a, and a group. And one thing that stands out in my mind is that in a community, people look out for each other, where a group is just an assembly of people. So uh, that, that's really important for a Sangha sure. is that you, you know, this expression, you have each other's back
1: love it well uh i wanted to give us some grounding in these three jewels and we'll dive a little more deeply into buddha in the, into, uh, and there are two parts of this that i'd like to tinker with so on the next page there's a, a short summary or sort of uh origin story buddha's or origin story and if you if you search for these there are dozens upon dozens of slightly different Uh, that all have slightly different variations about the historical buddha and what his life was like and some of us in in council three were reading a book called the circle of the way which uh, really points out that there's a wide range of stories and not a whole lot of certainty about what exactly was true but still the legend has persisted over time and certain features remain consistent and true so i'll offer you one and then we'll turn from the particular embodied historical Buddha to Buddha nature. What does that uh, show up for us and start to see some interesting correlations. And that's where we're really gonna pivot from uh, the historical Buddha, which is true of every, uh, 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 every denomination or sect within Buddhism to Buddha nature, we're gonna start to zoom in on what some Zen and Chan teachers really say about it in particular. Um, But let's dive into the historical Buddha so i'll would somebody like to take the first paragraph same thing we'll just read this on page four a little
5: i'll read the first part Thanks. Um, the historical buddha was an indian prince named siddhartha gautama who lived some 2600 years ago in an area that today is part of northern india and nepal he was born into a warrior clan known as the shakya which is why he is often called shakimuni, sage of the shakyas. According to legend,
3: shortly after Siddhartha's birth, a sage prophesied that the child would grow up to be either a great king or a renowned spiritual leader. His father, the king, did everything in his power to ensure that his son and heir would have no reason to pursue religious life, showering him with every privilege and luxury and sheltering him from the harsh realities of the world outside the palace.
9: The prince married and later had a son, but he became extremely dissatisfied at the age of 29 and at the age of 29, ventured beyond the palace walls on a series of carriage rides that would change the course of his life. On the first trip, he saw a sick man, on the second, an old man, and on the third, a corpse. These were his first encounters with the inevitable suffering experienced by all human beings, no matter how high born, and the knowledge was devastating. Then on a fourth carriage ride, Siddhartha saw a merchant spiritual seeker and he had a revelation. There might be a way out of suffering and the possibility lay in the religious life.
1: Soon thereafter, Siddhartha left the palace to set out on a religious quest. He studied with renowned spiritual teachers and then embarked on a journey with several companions, meditating and taking up severe ascetic practices such as prolonged fasting, that nearly killed him.
8: Ultimately, he had another realization. The way out of samsara, cycle of birth, suffering and death, lay neither in indulgence nor in extreme physical denial. There was a middle way to end suffering through training the mind. The former prince resolved to meditate under a ficus tree, now known as the Bodhi tree, in a town called Bodhgadia, until he had discovered the answer to his quest. After 49 days, he had a series of insights into the nature of reality, and he became enlightened. For the next 45 years, until his death, he was known as the Buddha, the awakened one, and taught the path to liberation that he had realized.
1: So this is in one version of the story that many of us have heard before. I'm curious, about, as you look at the story, what's the piece that resonates with you in your life? what resonates for you in this particular telling?
6: You want us to write, Nate?
1: No, you can just share. Just share. This is a place to capture notes later.
3: I was struck by the fact that it was a mendicant seeker. So by definition, someone who had nothing and was curious, that catalyzed his curiosity which eventually led him through two different kinds of experience to a middle way. But I I was very, it struck me that it was a mendicant seeker who was the, who set it, who is the
6: spark. And you know, it's, I'm sorry, Ellen, go ahead. Oh, no,
7: Anne, go ahead, I can wait.
6: I'm just realizing it strikes me that he didn't see a poor person. He wasn't moved to social justice. He was moved to spiritual enlightenment. He didn't see social injustice, which is really interesting to me.
7: In some versions, do you?
6: Uh-uh. It's, uh-uh. It seems like it's always sickness, old age, and death, oh, which is pretty he, universal. Oh, yeah. But, but he, so was, he
2: wasn't caught up with the class system anyone could follow him and so in that sense he he was interested in
1: social justice
7: well that's just a, good
1: <laughs> yeah and just a note here um what, you don't need to raise hands in this because i really want people to be able to respond to one another live at the moment and contribute so uh, raising hands meaning in the, the little reaction thing feel free to just jump in
9: before you guys go further, could someone explain? I mean, I, I had not heard the word mendicant before. And I realized I read it incorrectly because I saw a merchant in my eyes. But what is a mendicant? When I looked it up, it said a beggar. But mm-hmm. then, the, yep. okay. So a beggar, spiritual seeker? Mendicant. Yep. Yes.
5: All right. And you still see them all over India. Mm-hmm. And that, and that was a big part of the monastery, right? That the monks... That was part of their, what they did is they went out to beg, I think. Am I right about that? Yeah.
1: So in, in my mind, I, I sort of see that as someone who has completely given themselves over to the spiritual path, uh-huh. so much so that they are dependent on others for their basic subsistence.
3: Well, oh. so much so that they are a gift to others who then share
4: mm-hmm.
3: of their lesser mm. well worldly said. materials.
6: And, yeah. and the big thing about sense appetites for mm-hmm. me is something in Zen about free from sense appetites. So you don't worry about having a nice pair of pants and you don't
4: worry. And you
3: about don't worry about the school. next meal either. You just worry about this meal, right? This moment, you're not saving for some potentiality that may or may not occur.
2: No, you're not allowed to save any food. You can either eat it yourself or give it to someone right now.
5: And, but speaking of the, the sense appetites, what was missing from this version was that he was almost dying and that he was mm-hmm. the um, uh, woman that was passing with a bowl of rice mm-hmm. um, uh, noticed that he was very ill and and gave him food. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's also not, obviously we're not completely not focused on um, on um, what we need, what we need to survive.
0: So I'd like to interject as a contrarian here for just a bit, because uh, if I may, may I, Nate? Yeah. I find the history before his awakening almost irrelevant. The reason I find that history almost irrelevant is that the first version I ever heard about the Buddhist life was nothing like this. Um, the, 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 The article I read was having come from a military family, they abhorred wealth. That was outside their code to gather wealth. And so since he was the heir apparent, most of his life was in training to be the next warrior king. And the article I read, and again, there are many versions. So this is why, for me, that kind of background history is um, not as significant as the actual moment of awakening. And what brought it about, whether it was that he saw death and hunger and so on, or as likely that he was actually went off to war before he was 29 and saw death and suffering and pain there and maybe even had post-traumatic, you know, a post-traumatic event. It doesn't, it, for me, as, 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 as a Zen Buddhist, the details as to the what got him there are really less significant than the fact that he got there. Um, And so just, um, that's why I've been a little quiet in the reading because um, uh, we hear many stories about many of our um, spiritual guides, leaders of the past from different spiritual practices. And I wonder how right we've gotten those facts, but the one quote fact that we got right is his teachings and what he's left us. And, and that's sort of where I start with Buddhist story. So,
1: As you were talking, that I was thinking, uh, uh, Flint often says that people often come to Buddhism from one of two places. The one, they hit bottom. They hit bottom and they say they sort of are leveled by life in some way, right? And, mm. they, and they can't, life can't afford to continue in that same way. Or sometimes they come from aspiration. They see something in someone else and they say that. What's that about? I'm curious about that. And some combination of both. Um, but what's interesting to me in this version of the story and, or any piece of it, that it's the mendicant, right? That he's curious about. And like, he's, he's like, what's that? There's something there. And there does seem to be a place where he's saying, All of this around me, none of this is it. So it, it felt like almost a combination of the two. All these trappings, whether it be military or wealth or otherwise, aren't serving me. And so, um, interesting sort of realization that informs it. But- yeah, thank you.
4: I, I mean,
9: personally, for me, I, I mean, why do we even study history, right? It gives us a a viewpoint and I love hearing the origin story of what brought you to this place versus like well I'm at this place you know let's jump off from there but you know we honor each person's um perspective and experience to that but regarding the story I love the fact that his father tried every which way to um, direct the course of his life and regardless of that he still end up where he ended up right
0: so yeah. I think that's a
9: lesson that yeah, whether it as was
0: a- as a soldier or a rich prince right he ended up right. where he wanted to end up that's lovely so, thank you Jade yeah. yes. and
3: for me part of the story is that he kept getting it wrong until he didn't but that's inspiring to me that I may be looking in the wrong place right now. And that's a journey. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of a journey. You can't start at the place you finally find, you know?
9: Yeah.
7: Well, Nate, um, you, you ask how, how can you rate, uh, relate to the story in your personal life? Mm-hmm. And just immediately my mind went to, I had a, my great grandmother lived to be 102. I was... Fourteen, i guess when she was 102 and uh so i was not a buddha i didn't decide to to figure out to end suffering all suffering or anything like that but it still made a big impression on me how ancient she was and and she eventually ended up in a nursing home and with all these other ancient people and uh And uh, I did become a, oh, what did you call it? A candy striper or something like that. And, and go and like read people letters and, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I guess there was a little bit of wanting to release suffering and that in that not maybe universal suffering, (laughs) but, uh, but uh, I don't know when you said that I went, oh yeah, I did, uh, you know, seeing all these ancient old people made me kind of go, oh well, there's something in life. This is something about life that I, I don't know about, and that I want to know about. And it also brings up the uh, as the uh, fact of death. Yes. And and so those things kind of came up uh, simultaneously.
4: Hmm.
7: So I could just I could just relate to that part of his life, going, Oh my God, look at that ancient wrinkled person. <laughs> how that how that feels
6: (laughs) yeah i would say that really struck me too as somebody that works with ancient wrinkled people um and who's caring for an ancient wrinkled mother that how hard that is how she Mm -hmm. suffers how people suffer from losses Mm. and how there's no way out of that And then somebody says there's a way to deal with it maybe not a way out but a way to deal with it and the attraction of that
1: and i think for me i um as someone said earlier i've lost track now of just the journey of uh the the thing that gave me hope is the journey of uh, swings and misses <laughs> along the way that was that gave me ease it's like okay i definitely have swung and missed a lot right and that all of that mm-hmm. was in was moving along uh, as it should mm-hmm. uh, and so that feels like a, a sort of comfort for me too um, let's shift gears to talk about buddha nature and then i want to make sure that we have time for at least a small practice and expression of that um, so on the next page on page five, there's a bit from Buddha, from Buddha nature and three sources. I'll just do the framing bit and then invite someone to read the pieces from the Pali Canon from Suzuki Roshi and from uh, Um Buddha nature is the inherent quality of being a Buddha or a fully enlightened being, which is always present in every sentient being. It is not something to be achieved or acquired. We express our Buddha nature through our practice. In Zen, we express it directly through zazen, our meditation practice. Here are some notes on Buddha nature from the teachings. Somebody else want to
4: jump in? Yeah, Yeah, go for it. From the
3: Buddha in the Pali Canon. Scholars often trace the idea of Buddha nature to the worlds of the Buddha as recorded in the Pali Canon among the oldest historical records of the Buddha's teachings, which were recorded hundreds of years after the Buddha's death. In the Pali Canon, the Buddha shares this with his monks.
4: Luminous. luminous monks.
5: <laughs> Go for it, Rosemary. Thank you. Luminous monks is the mind. No, sorry, luminous monks is the mind and it is defiled by incoming defilements. The uninstructed run of the mill person doesn't discern that as it actually is present, which is why I tell you that for the uninstructed run of the mill person, there is no development of the mind. It's
7: interesting to me that, you know, we're reading Silent Illumination that he mentions that luminous mind
4: Mm
1: -hmm. mm-hmm second one luminous monks is the mind and it is freed from incoming defilements the well-instructed disciple of the noble ones discerns that it is actually present which is what i why i tell you that for the well-instructed disciple of the noble ones there is development of the mind and if you're reading some of the ancient texts even translated there's a lot of this uh, this kind of language that can be a little bit tricky and you get the sense of an oral tradition that has been carried on for a long time in memory. There's a rhythm to it that then is captured in language after.
6: From Suzuki Roshi and not always so. So in each moment, concentrate and really be yourself. At this moment, where is Buddha nature? Buddha nature is when you say yes, That is yes, that yes is Buddha nature itself. The Buddha nature, which you think you already have within yourself is not Buddha nature. (laughs) When you become you yourself, of when you forget all about yourself and say, yes, that is Buddha nature. (laughs)
9: Um, Guogu and silent illumination. Buddha nature, our true nature is simply freedom. It is not a thing. If it were, then it would have a before and an after. It would be subject to birth and death and would be either permanent or impermanent. Buddha nature is inconceivable. We too are inconceivable. This inconceivability is that right here and right now we are free this inconceivability.
1: I love all three of these because they're so different <laughs> and so rich and uh, they all orbit something. And I'm just curious what as you uh, read either from the, the Buddha directly in the Pali Canon from Suzuki Roshi Grogu, what stands out for you and speaks to you now?
0: For me, it's um, Gugu. freedom. Freedom is release. It's peace. It is uh, getting to sit with who you are, what you are, wherever you are, as you are, with a sense of peace, contentment, and wanting nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. This, this is enough. It's enough. I love that. And that we already are and think we're not because we get all stressed over this or that or the other, think we should, as Shakyamuni's father thought he should, be a certain person. Um, Yeah, the freedom. That's what I always
3: thought of as Buddha nature. But what strikes me in, in these readings is, Buddha nature is when you say yes, that gives me pause. I mean, that completely was like, what? Really? Um, because then it, it, just the question shifts my entire perspective. It's like, oh, well, that's something I feel arise within myself. How do I attune myself to that? And where's, where would that take me? It wouldn't be an act of, it's kind of a, a flow. But it's, it's similar to the joy that I was meant, you know, that struck me earlier is that I'm forgetting that part, it seems. And these are excellent reminders. What strikes
7: me is uh, it's when you become yourself because that's so loaded. I mean, it makes me think of Logan's <laughs> quote. Because you go um, yourself and then you go, oh yeah, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Oh no, I'm maybe not. I mean, I'm, you know, then you have to tra- trace it on. Who, who, who am I exactly? Am well, I my opinions, but, I, you know,
3: all that stuff. But maybe becoming yourself is when you let go of all that stuff that's no. attached to you, you know, right. and just experience, oh, as you're, you were born, I'm a living being. I agree, yeah.
1: And Jenna, if I was gonna say that the, uh, the papa in me with a toddler who just turned three, the yes really resonates uh, because there's so many times when he I, is doing crazy things that I go, no. And there's more not a no of a guardrail for him. It is my visceral reaction mm. of I want him to be other or doing mm. other than he is. Mm. That's a different kind of no. It's not no, that's not safe. That's mm. appropriate. It's no like, you know, damn it. Dot dot dot. That's that clench, that squeeze, that no, that's the no that I'm going, oh, okay, that's there. <laughs> so
7: Because Buddha said no sometimes.
2: Right. I like the idea well, that it's Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, that it's an activity as opposed to a thing. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, that's really important.
2: That's really important to me. And also, a lot of what we're reading is, is um, trying, especially in Suzuki Roshi, trying is so counterproductive.
6: Mm.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And that's, you know, that's a trap that I know I fall into daily, minute by minute.
1: I, I wanted to give us a, a brief embodied experience of, of what it might look like to tinker with this Buddha nature. And so I'm gonna ask us to get to a position where you could be in front of the camera and bow. And we'll, so we'll take from a, a do a full gashot bow. Uh, but I'm going to give you a little bit of instruction before we do it. I'm gonna ask you to bow three times and give you just a bit of framing. And I'm modifying something that I learned from Kim. So. Uh, and as you're holding this posture, just we didn't get to this yet, but let me just kind of give you a little bit of, of direction here as you're thinking about this. In so we are placing palms together, and you're about a fist distance between your hands and your nose. So, if you want to think about how far away it is, and if you're thinking about your elbows, your elbows don't need to be squished in here, and they don't need to be wings flying away. There's a place that's kind of in the middle here, right? And just in front of your face. But as you assume this posture, my first invitation is just to bow to everyone on the screen. So bow when you feel ready. My second invitation is to bow mindfully, as mindfully as you can. And my third invitation is to bow like it's the last time you will ever bow. How was that for you? What did you notice?
7: That last bow really got me, like made me wanna cry.
1: Still is, yeah, me too.
3: Me too. It made me realize the preciousness of this moment and of all of you and of our connection and the vanishingness that I don't usually take time to notice.
6: Yeah, and the inevitability that there will be one last round. Definitely uh, more, more,
5: more emotion with each one.
1: What
9: else? I was actually <laughs> mindful of my breath when I did that last bow. You held your breath? No, it's when I, so with each bow, I would do an out breath, but with that last one, I was more mindful that what if this was, <laughs> sorry, but I'm like, what if I died like this yes. <laughs> <Even> down? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, it's just that, exhalation and thinking, what if, you know, my last breath was this and I toppled over and, you know, but um, the form was the same, it's just what was going through my head. So when I took that inhale, as I sat back up, you know, I'm like, you know, I have breath, but yes.
0: (laughs) Mine was similar to Jay's, except mine was watching the last breath of a loved one. Mm. Mm. So my last bow connected with that.
1: I even noticed the shifts between the different bows. right? The first one, I was attentive to each of you, but there was something in my, I know it was more I had a level of full body awareness on the second one. I could feel it, my bow and my toes. That's oh. how I would describe it to you. Mm-hmm. And so there was a difference even in that shift when I was the reminding my, mm-hmm. ourselves to be mindful in that way. And the last one, as I was always I didn't, I almost didn't want to come up from the bow. And it was like my heart was melting at the bottom of it. Mm. And I I I just wanted to clutch here. And it was such a slow return. You know,
9: can I just say I I don't know, I from my perspective that every action is um, is with reverence, you know, like, so when you said even, oh, with reverence to m- in my head, I'm like, it's no different than my first bow because I did it with reverence the first time when I bowed to you. So, you know, it's just with that last one for me, it's because I imagined myself giving my last breath. And if I did my last breath like this, with that exhale, and I toppled down with no inhale, you know, now I'll be um, head down, you know, mm-hmm. on the ground. And about this is the workings of my mind, right. But um, the the interactions, um, I think is reverent. So it doesn't, for me changing who it was it it did not impact you know what I'm saying it didn't Mm -hmm. impact it was just the idea of last breath. because I think all into personal I started I changed that a while back like you're no more important than I am my my, you know the titles are unimportant people get caught up in that Mm -hmm. and I try to have my existence without giving um more weight to somebody because they named minister or mm-hmm. manager or anything every i try to treat people equally because i don't think anyone is more important than another even though people get caught up yeah. in
1: that it's one of our precepts of meeting people on equal ground right yeah. so it's a uh, it's part of our practice very much so and that's a but to embody that wholeheartedly in every in every moment is is, is uh is a is an edge for a lot of us. It is for me, certainly. Ann, what were you gonna say?
6: Oh, I was just gonna say for the last battle, I didn't want to start. Ah.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: I didn't want to end because yeah. that seemed like, yeah, this is the last one, but I didn't want
4: to start either.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um well, I'm so thankful to have had this time with you, and to practice with you a little bit. Um, I, uh, as per usual, I tend to overplan, uh, And so there's lots of stuff in here that we'll revisit and I'll think about what's uh, next. I have two quick things before we go for today, though, and before we bow out. Um, one is there's a link to sign up for circle so that if you're not signed up, you should be able to get to all the stuff that I'll put up on there. Uh and a host of other things that people are tinkering around with. Um, I am going to post a link to uh, what's called a Jamboard. board, if you've used a jam board before, where you can just jot down questions. One of the things I'm curious about is what questions do you have about our practice and about Zen in general. I'll try to incorporate those in. And then um I won't pretend that I have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination, but if there are things that you're curious about, I'd love to use this as an opportunity. So uh, I'll post that once everyone's registered. So look for that tomorrow or Monday. Um, and then, just on the back of this, if you have a little time, I always like to give folks a, a chance to sort of reflect a little bit. Uh, and I would really encourage you to think about is there an intention you would set for yourself in the coming week based on what we talked about or what you discovered today? Just one, something simple, something clear something plain we don't need to share it now we'll honor folks time but i just would encourage you to set some sort of intention and maybe a little bit later i'll ping the folks on uh, who are here today and just say what did you do what did you set and how's it going (laughs) what are you noticing um but this was so lovely i'm so grateful to have had this time with you so thank you so much
9: nate i have a question the link that you just posted When I click that link, it says join Appomata, but I'm like, is that what it's supposed to say?
1: It is. Yes. So you have to sign up to circle as the platform. You just sign up with whatever email you're using, and then it will, you'll be have access to a host of things on the platform. So if you have any hiccups.
3: Sorry, my question about it is how do I get back there? Like I was there once, but I don't really know how to get there again.
1: Yeah, it's uh. I'll What's get, I'll the send... URL? Is
3: there a URL? I mean. Yeah,
1: there's a. Uh, let me find something
3: right I now. can remember.
1: Yeah, it's So I'll chat it right now. So here's Thank the you. return link. Yep. Thank and, you, Nate. Um, Thank Nate. You. Is that the register? What is the registration?
5: That's
1: registration is to sign up for the platform it's called circle oh, so oh just you have to sign
5: up for the platform okay not for it. the course
1: no mm-hmm. not for the course for the platform
5: oh, okay that's what i was confused i'm i'm signed up for circle so I'm
1: yeah good. you're good so you're set all right and have a lovely yeah wonderful.
5: Sorry. and this is separate
9: from the emails i normally get from Appomattox.
1: that's correct okay. this is something we're experimenting with okay. and and so we're trying to see if this is a a thing that we find useful. And so it'd be an opportunity for us to engage there a little bit.
9: Beautiful.
0: Thank you so much. And all of you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Can you give your baby a hug from me, Nate? I don't get to hug babies often. So here's a hug. I will. Maybe you'll pass that on to your baby.
1: I will. All right. Thank you.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank
5: you. Enjoy, everyone.
8: Bye, everyone. See you soon.
5: See you
7: soon.